Hi, welcome to the New Covenant Presbyterian Church Sermon Podcast, a congregation of the Orthodox Presbyterian Church, the OPC, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Amen. Brothers and sisters, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 12. Into Matthew chapter 12, we'll be looking at verses 33 through 37 this morning. As we read the word, it is good to remember that we are reading God's very word, which cannot err, God's word, which is truth itself. And therefore, please give your attention to the public reading of God's word. Uh, Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. And an evil man, out of the evil treasure, brings forth evil things. But I say to you, that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Thus far the reading of God's word. You may be seated. Let's now go to the Lord in prayer and ask his blessing on the preaching of the word. Father, we do pray that you would help us as your word exposes our own sins. Help us to to see it, not to be like the one that James describes who looks into the mirror, sees himself, and then immediately leaves and forgets what he saw. Help us, Lord, as your word reveals to us our sins, that it might lead us all the way to repentance, O God. That we would not try to justify uh, ourselves or our actions, but Lord, that we would see that every, for every sin, for every sin that we commit, there is a great need uh, for repentance and help us to, to see that the words that we speak do in fact reveal the contents of our heart. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Brothers and sisters, the words that you say matter. The words that you say matter. They reveal your heart, as the Lord Jesus Christ argues here. It can be very easy to uh, say something about someone or to someone and then to say, oh, you know, I was just kidding. I didn't really mean that. Uh, I, you know, I said it, but, you know, I I don't actually think that. Uh, Oftentimes, however, most, if not every single time, uh, these words that we say and then immediately take back actually do reveal the true contents of our heart. What is really meant is, I did not mean to say that so that you would hear it. But the reason it came out of your mouth is because you were thinking it. And the filter failed in that instance. And you're embarrassed that the thing that you said actually came forth and is offensive to a particular person. You realize after, after you say it that it was not something that should be said. But the point, the point that the Lord Jesus Christ is making here is that when those things happen, they really do reveal what was in your heart. They really do reveal what was in your heart. And for that reason, the words you say matter. Now, 
what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here is that there's even a further reason why the words that you say matter. And that is because on the last day, it will be the words that you speak that will be used by God to reveal the true contents of your heart. One of the, the great blessings of the Bible, particularly certain passages in the New Testament, they are so clear about what the final judgment is going to be like. What's the criteria that God's going to use to determine who, in fact, is a real Christian or not? We, we've looked at, at occasion a number of times to look at uh, Matthew 25 and the way that, um, you know, if you do these things, you will not stand in the judgment. If you do these things, you will enter into the joy of your master. And here is another example of this. Uh, what is it that God will use on the last day when you stand before him in judgment? What is it that he will use to make it very clear the contents of your heart? And the answer that, that the Lord Jesus Christ gives here is the words that you speak. The words that you speak do reveal the contents of your heart. And there will be no ability to hide on the last day. Uh, in, on the last day, God will make known in the Lord Jesus Christ, even all of the secrets of men's hearts. You will be uh, completely exposed uh, before God. And on the last day, the thing that will be used against you for your condemnation or used on your behalf for your vindication will be the words that you speak. It'll be the words that you speak. Now, you remember here, this is the end of, of Christ's response to the Pharisees after they accuse him of casting out demons by the prince of demons, Beelzebub. This is important to, 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 uh, to keep in mind. The Pharisees have just said, they've just said that the Lord Jesus Christ has cast out demons by the, by the prince of demons. They've, they've just made that statement. And what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here is, he's saying, when you Pharisees say that, you have revealed the true contents of your heart. You have revealed that in, in terms of the contents of your heart, that you are haters of God. And when we think about, even in terms of the, of the immediate context, remember that what Jesus has just said, the, the, the last thing that he said in terms of his response has been um, that if you blaspheme against the Holy Spirit, you will never be forgiven. And what Christ is saying is, when you Pharisees blaspheme the Spirit with your words, what I am saying to you is that you could not speak otherwise because this is truly the attitude of your heart. You've not just said something that you don't mean, but your blasphemy against the Spirit is in fact a revelation of where you are in your heart and therefore you've committed the sin that, uh, for which there will be uh, no forgiveness uh, ever. Now, as we, as we think through that in the context, we need to remember the, the, the progress of the response of Christ. So again, uh, uh, this is now the, the third week that we've looked at the response of the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ has shown very clearly that he is not casting out demons by Satan, but he's rather casting them out by the Spirit of God, obviously. And in so doing, he has shown the reality of the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ has brought in the kingdom of God, and that therefore, if this has happened by the Spirit of God, and that's known by the Pharisees, that, they, that, that this is in fact a... a, a uh, a sign that the kingdom of God has come, that this means that when they ascribe his work to the devil, which was done by the Spirit, they are blaspheming against the Spirit. And now what he's saying is these words will be used against you on the last day. These words will be used against you on the last day. Now, um, regardless of what it is, in the context, the Pharisees have blasphemed against the Spirit, and Christ is saying there is no excuse that can be made. It's a, it's a revelation of your heart. Now, you, you 
you likely have not, you know, almost surely have not committed the sin of the blasphemy against the spirit. Um, but the general principle still stands for all of your speech. All of your speech is always a revelation of your heart. What you say reveals the contents of your heart and on the last day, God will use this to make known the contents of your heart and it will be used in judgment either for you or against you. Now we'll look at this passage then under two headings as we consider uh, this, uh, this teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, first we'll look at a, the, the metaphor that's used to describe this, a tree and its fruits. It's really the first metaphor that's used. Uh, so there's, there's a, a, a tree and its fruit, the reason why um, a, a, a good tree, a, a person will speak the way that he does is because it's a reflection of his nature. So a good tree will produce good fruit, a bad tree will produce bad fruit. And then in verses 34 through 37, that's where the Lord Jesus Christ formally applies this principle to the idea of speech. So it's said generally in verse 33, it's said uh, more particularly about speech in verses 34 through 37. Now, we'll look at this part in two parts as well. So when, when the Lord Jesus Christ applies uh, the principle of, uh, of you acting according to your nature to speech, he then divides even that into two. There is um, the, the relationship between nature and speech more formally in verses 34 and 35. And then there is in verses 36 and 37, the application of this to the final judgment. So we'll look at generally person acts according to his nature. Uh, more specifically, this applies to his words. And then finally, this will be used in the judgment. That's the, the, the progress of the response that the Lord Jesus Christ gives in verses 33 through 37. Now, uh, look with me then at, at verse uh, 33, where the Lord Jesus Christ makes use of this metaphor uh, of a tree and its fruits. Notice what he says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. And here's the general principle, for a tree is known by its fruit. The idea here is, is very simple. When you see a person act a certain way, the reason why a person acts that way is because he is, by nature, that, that kind of person. Um, so thieves steal. Um, good people do good things. Bad people do bad things. That's the idea. Uh, a, a bad person does not do good things. A good person does not do bad things in, in, uh, in this regard. Now, there's, there needs to be obviously some qualification with that, that last statement. But, but the idea is that a person acts according to their nature. A person will always act according to their nature. Now, this is something that the Lord Jesus Christ has taught in other places in, in the gospel as well. You think of Matthew chapter 7, where um, in the context of discovering whether or not a person is a true or a false prophet, the Lord Jesus makes use of the same thing. How will you know whether or not a prophet is true or false? Well, you'll know them by their fruits. Um, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. A bad tr fruit, uh, tree cannot produce good fruit. And therefore, if you see someone who appears to be a prophet, but who is acting in a way that's not consistent with um, a godly character, then you know that this, this person is, in fact, a false prophet. So that there is a relationship between the kinds of things that a person uh, does and, and uh, the, the kind of person that he, in fact, is. And uh, Jesus will, in fact, revisit the same application, particularly to speech in chapter 15, such that, um, you know, if you were, were to look at Jesus' full teaching on this, um, chapter 7 here and chapter 15 are all important to understand uh, what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying. Now, again, the purpose here is to connect it to connect this principle that's already been established in, in Matthew chapter 7 to the idea of speech. Bad speech is evident of a bad heart. Bad speech is evident of a bad heart. This is something that James says as well. Uh, he uses the figure of springs of water and plants. You know, 
There is, there is a, a, a spring of water and it cannot produce both fresh water and salty water. It can either be one or the other because the water is going to mix. Therefore, if you are saying that you truly love God while you revile other people, you are mixing the salt and the fresh water such that it invalidates the, the fresh water statement with regard to your love for God. The idea there is that the reviling of your brother reveals that your heart is not truly set on, on the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not truly set upon God. So there is a connection between a speech and the kind of person that you are. Now, notice, notice even more particularly, though, what the Lord Jesus Christ uh, is getting at in verse 33. He said generally the idea that a, that a tree is known by its fruit. But notice here, there is a, another emphasis that's actually uh, coming out more strongly. And this is not found in, in uh, Matthew 7. This would be an, an expansion of what he, what he has said. Notice what he says, either make the tree good, and then by implication, its fruit will be good. Or make the tree bad, and its fruit bad. So here he's not just saying that there is an existence in there, uh, these good trees and these bad trees, but he's saying that if you want to produce a certain kind of fruit, the thing that is ultimately needed is that you make the tree a certain way. So the idea here is, uh, uh, is that there is a necessity. If you want to know, a person is, is producing bad fruit in their lives. They are not living in such a way that, it, that it's clear that they're Christians. It, it seems actually very clear that they're not a Christian by, uh, uh, by the way in which a person is living. What is needed? What is needed? The thing that's needed is to make the tree good. Which means that there has to be someone who is able to so thoroughly change the nature of a person that they go from being bad to good in this regard. Good not meaning perfect, but here, but just following with the metaphor, good being someone who is truly following the Lord Jesus Christ. That there is a need for a person to make to make a person into having a different nature, to give someone, in fact, uh, a different nature. Which means that what the Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about here when we talk about verse 33 is the necessity for conversion. Not just conversion uh, conceived of as man's ability to choose God, but even more fundamental to, uh, than that is that God would sovereignly grant a change of nature whereby a person is no longer a bad tree, but a good tree. Remember, the scriptures actually teach in a number of places that it is not possible for a person to change his own nature. So there are things that you can do to change your actions. It will be limited in terms of its effectiveness. And the reason it will be always be limited is because a person does not have the power to change their own nature. So if you think of Jeremiah chapter 13, where he says, you know, uh, the, the, the prophet Jeremiah says, you know, a leopard cannot change its spots, neither can you who are evil, who are accustomed to doing evil, do good. The idea is that when we think about the state of a person apart from Christ, it's not just that they are a person who does bad things, but they are, they are sinners by nature. And that nature is such a part of who they are that it's like the spots of a leopard. There's no way to conceive of a, of a leopard except for with the spots. And there's certainly no way for a leopard to remove its own spots because it is a reflection of its nature. And what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here is with regard to the Pharisees, when you think about their speech, it is revealing something about who they are. And the only way that can change is by the sovereign act of God, who just as he speaks all of creation into existence, is able to change the nature 
of a sinner and move him from the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of Satan into the kingdom of the son of his love. Uh, this is the reason why it is ultimately quite foolish to, to try to reform your life without relying upon the sovereign act of God in changing the heart. This is the reason why it's foolish to say, you know, I, I know I've done this, this thing, I know it is not right, and I can see that I need to, you know, it's a phrase that's very common today, just generally in the culture, I need to work on myself. Um, the reality is, is you cannot work on yourself in such a way that you can actually defeat sin. There are ways which you can like temporarily reform your life in certain respects, but the problem is that you cannot change your nature. Ultimately, it will actually lead to you getting worse. This is the reason why people fall back into sins over and over again, is because there is such a great temptation for people to say, I know that if I just, if I just stay away from this thing, I know I will not fall into this sin. But brothers and sisters, it's really a great misdiagnosis of the problem. The problem is, is that what is actually needed is a change of nature. And there is no ability for a person to change his own nature. And so as, as you think about this thing with regard to sin, anytime there is a sin that's, that's committed, there are three options, there are three ways that you can respond to this sin. You can either try to justify yourself, it's very, very common, you try to say, oh, you know, I, I didn't mean that, would be the way it happens with regard to speech. Or, you know, this doesn't reflect who I am. Uh, or, you know, um, you know, I may have done this, but really, if you think about it, as this person said this to me, I'm justified in what I did. Um, you know, I, what I did was actually not wrong. That's one of the ways that you can respond to sin. A sin is committed, you can either attempt to say that what I did was actually not wrong. You can try to justify yourself. Now, the second thing that you can do is you can say, you can admit, you know, what I did was not right. And I, I apologize for the sin that I've committed. And so I'm going to do my best now not to do that thing again. And I, and I know that if I, just, if I just do the right things, I know that I will be able to overcome this sin. That would be a, a second way that, that, you can, uh, that you can respond to sin. The third way is the way that the scriptures uh, say is necessary for every Christian, which is to say you commit a sin you acknowledge that the sin is in fact a sin, and then you absolutely despair of any ability in yourself to overcome the sin, and you fall down on your knees and you plead with God to remove the sin. That is what true repentance is. And every time you are confronted with any sin, this is always the only three options. Those are the only three options that you've got. And the reality of what the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here, that a tree is known by its fruits, is meant to lead you to this confession that you, you have a necessity in every case to rely only upon God. You do not have the strength to reform yourself. You always need God. God is the one who produces fruit in his people by the Spirit. We do not produce the fruit ourselves, which is the reason why the Lord Jesus Christ, why God is the one who gets all the glory when fruit is produced. It's produced by God, as Augustine has said. You know, when, when, when a person does uh, good works according to the scriptures and even is rewarded by God, that God is simply crowning his own work. He's crowning his own work. God is the one who produced it, which means that even further, brothers, brothers and sisters, if you've made any progress in terms of defeating the sin in your life, there is no way that you can claim the glory for yourself. The only one who can do it is God. And if you have made any progress, then the question is, what do you have that you did not receive? 
And if you received it, why do you boast as though you did not? As the Apostle Paul says. Now, if you are outside of Christ, in some ways you have really the same three options put before you. It's just on a, 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 a kind of a more ultimate scale. So when you, when you consider your nature as a sinner, you can either try to deny it and say, you know, I'm actually a good person. And, you know, I know you may think that this or that is wrong. It either doesn't reflect who I am or, or whatever. It's not actually as bad as you think. You can either say that or then you can say, you know, I know this is wrong, but I, I, I can do it. I know that I can, uh, I can act in a way that's in accordance with, with, um, with morality, with things that are right and wrong. I know that I can do it if I just keep trying. I know if I work on myself, I will eventually get there. But brothers and sisters, the, the teaching of the scripture is that both of these options are completely futile and foolish. It is foolish to try to justify yourself before God. It is also futile to try to say, I will be able to change myself because the leper does not change its spots. Now, if you are outside of Christ, the thing to do is to cast yourself upon Christ and put all of your hope and trust in him, despairing of any perceived strength that you might, uh, that, that you might reserve for yourself uh, to say, you know, I'm not as strong as I think. It's one of the great um, lies of Satan. One of the great temptations is to get people to believe that they actually can do it by themselves. Um, this would be a, a, you know, once there is an admission of sin, the lie of Satan is to say, you know, if you just work on it, I'm sure you'll get there. And there is ultimately no way to get there. There is, uh, and there's no other option. Everyone handles their sins or their state, their condition before God in one of these three ways. And the only way, the only way that there can actually be a true, uh, a true conversion is if God himself grants the new heart. And if you cast yourself upon God for this. Now, that's the general idea. So there's a ge generally a connection between one's nature and their actions. In verse 34, particularly verses 34 and 35, um, Christ connects this particularly to the idea of speech. And then he'll apply the, uh, the, this connection between speech and nature to the judgment in verses 36 and 37. Now notice, he, uh, when he applies this to speech, he actually begins by addressing the Pharisees quite sharply. He calls them a brood of vipers. So this is the first thing that Christ says uh, to the Pharisees. Now, um, it, it may be difficult to see the, the, the connection here in terms of what is actually being said uh, when Christ calls them a brood of vipers. Uh, you'll remember that this is actually something that John the Baptist said about the Pharisees as well in, in Matthew chapter 3. So he, he says, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the, the, from the wrath to come? Um, but, but here the Lord Jesus Christ is saying brood of vipers. Now when we think of a, the brood of vipers, um, in terms of English usage, it can sometimes be difficult to, to recognize or notice that a brood, what's being said is offspring. That's, that, that, that's really the idea that, that Christ is getting at. He's calling them offspring of vipers. And in the, in the, the original this is, a, is a much, a much clearer in this regard. Uh, it's, just, it's just the common word for thing that would be produced from another thing. Um, so, so the idea here is that you are offspring of vipers or offspring of serpents, some kind of snake. The idea then is that Christ is connecting the state of the Pharisees to the description in Genesis chapter 3 of the seed of the serpent. You Pharisees believe yourselves to be the religious leaders and those who are righteous. Remember, there are only two kinds of people. There's the seed of the woman and the seed of the serpent. 
you are not just like close. It's not to say that you're close to, to being uh, on the right path. You are fully members of the seed of the serpent. You are a brood of vipers, even as people think that you are uh, the most faithful of all of the people of God. Uh, there are only ever two kinds of people. And it's important to, to keep in, uh, this in mind, brothers and sisters, um, that you, you can only be one of these. Um, with regard to uh, the seed of the serpent or the seed of the woman, you know, if you are here and you believe yourself to be good, keep in mind that the, that the testimony of Scripture is that you are under the power, not just of sin in general, but Satan himself. You're under the power of Satan. And it does not matter how far you have taken your reforming of your life even if you gain the reputation of being the most holy among all people, if there is not an actual change of nature, then you are still merely a brood of vipers. You are still merely offspring of Satan. And this is the way the Pharisees were, even though they thought themselves to be the most righteous and the most godly. Even others people thought these were the most righteous and most godly of all people. Now, this is a, a great warning, brothers and sisters. Um, it is possible to be in the church, true members of the church, and to be relying upon yourself, to be pursuing a reputation for godliness and actually not having its power. Because at bottom, when you think about your own sins and you realize that they are a problem, your first instincts always are to try to either justify yourself or to address the problem on your own. But the heart of the true Christian, who is not by nature a seed of the serpent, is to cast yourself upon God and to do this regularly. This is what repentance is. It's what repentance is. Uh, when, when we think about your response uh, to sin. Now, uh, Christ then immediately uh, connects this with speech. So it's their speech that reveals that they are, in fact, a brood of vipers. He says, how can you, again, notice how strong the language is, being evil, not close to good, um, but being evil. How can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Not only is it your actions that reveal who you are by nature, but it is all of the things that you say. The Pharisees, when they blaspheme the Spirit, they are speaking according to their own hearts. And brothers and sisters, when you speak, when you speak, it is a revelation of the contents of your heart. Now think about how shocking it would be to hear this, to hear the Lord Jesus Christ say this. This, this would show be, beyond a shadow of a doubt that God is not a respecter of persons. There is no partiality with him. The Pharisees, with all their reputation, it, it helped them zero before God. When they come into contact with the Son of God, he does not respect their position at all. It is only the revelation of their hearts on the basis of the things that they say. And brothers and sisters, the same is true for you. There will be on the last day no sense in which there will be respect for any accomplishment, any reputation that you've gained in the eyes of others. It will only be the true contents of your heart laid open before God. And are you actually true to Him? Now, uh, in uh, verse 35, this is applied generally, so, you know, Christ begins by addressing the Pharisees. But we have to keep in mind that these are general principles that do apply to, to uh, everyone. So he says, for out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So that's a general principle. Um, it can be applied to the specific situation of the Pharisees, but it also applies to you and to me. 
Uh, notice in verse 35, another general uh, principle that's set out, uh, basically making the same point, now using a, a different metaphor, the metaphor of a good treasure. But a good man out of a good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. That's good things in his speech. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. So the Pharisees, when they blaspheme the Spirit, it reveals their hearts. When you speak, brothers and sisters, it does reveal the contents uh, of your heart. It reveals the contents of your heart. Remember, James has said something very similar. When he speaks about the tongue, he says, With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and curse. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? The answer is no, it's not. It is not possible. All of this means that you must be careful about the words that you say. But even more than that, when you say something that you say, you know, when you're immediately tempted to say, this does not reflect who I am, what Christ is saying is that is not the proper response. The proper response is to say, why was this in my heart? And then the solution is not to be more careful about what you speak ultimately, but it is to say when, when you speak something that is contrary to the gospel and clearly sinful, that ought to tell you I have a sin that I need to repent of. I must repent of this sin. And if I'm going to make progress, I must ask God to make the tree good. If you've been converted, the tree's been made good, sort of in, a more, in, a, in an ultimate sense, uh, and yet there is still a remnant of sin. And so there is still the, 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 the requirement, every progress, every amount of progress and grace that you have comes from God. You sin and you say, uh, you say something, it's sinful, you are not to evade it, you're to say, this does reflect my heart, and I need to have my heart cleansed by God. Where do I go? I must go to God. Out of the overflow of the, of the heart, the mouth speaks. Brothers and sisters, this is what, what is required of you, and it's the reason why the words that you say matter. Now, th another reason why the words you say matter is given in verses 36 and 37. The, the real weightiness is given here. You will have to give an account of every careless word that you speak. Now think about that, brothers and sisters. Every single careless word that you speak, you will have to give an account for. Now, um, sometimes it is said, you know, it, it, the question is asked, um, is this even true for Christians who have been justified by faith? The answer is, is yes. Uh, sometimes there's this idea out there that there is not a judgment that um, believers will have to go through because they've been justified by faith. Uh, but you'll remember in, in Matthew 25, a passage we've already had occasion to allude to, there are some that go to the right, there are some that go to the left. But the description of those who go to the right and go to the left are, are exactly parallel. That is to say, both those who go to the left and go to the right have faced the judgment. And one, have, one has received the, the sentence of, of righteousness, the other has, has received that of condemnation. And this is uh, what, what, the, what the Apostle Paul teaches in Romans 14 as well, uh, where he says, and we need to remember this, we must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We must all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. That is not to say just um, unbelievers, but even Christians will have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. The words that you say reveal your heart, and by these words, your true heart will be made manifest on the last day. Now, the question then that would come 
is does this contradict the idea of justification by faith? If the Lord Jesus Christ is saying here, on the last day you'll be justified even, justified, the language of justified, you'll be justified by your words or you'll be condemned by your words, then it would seem like, or at least you could plausibly say, that perhaps um, works are taken into account for justification and it's not by faith alone, or that at least your words are taken into account and it's not by faith alone. Does this statement contradict the doctrine of justification by faith? The answer is no. And there are two, there are two important points that must be kept in mind here. First, Christ is not speaking about the grounds of justification. And then secondly, this is not justification that happens at conversion. This is clearly talking about the last day. So those, those, those are, the, are the two distinctions that's important to keep in mind. Now, with, with, with regard to the first, Christ is not speaking about the grounds for justification. He is not saying that by one's words, one can merit eternal life and be justified. That God will look at your words, he'll say, ooh, this, this person has spoken well, therefore he has merited eternal life. God will be the debtor of no man, as the scriptures very clearly say. And as it says in Romans 4, God does not reward us according to, uh, to uh, debt or wages, but it is of his free grace. And, uh, and therefore, this, this in, in no way contradicts the idea of, of justification by faith. The train of thought is this, especially in the context, uh, in this context, as words are used to reveal the heart. Remember, this is the, the context of what Jesus has already said in this text, is that your words reveal your heart. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the, the, the train of thought is this, your words reveal your heart, your heart is reflective of your faith, and by faith one is justified. If one speaks words that show one has a bad heart, this proves that one's faith is not real. And on the last day, the thing that will be used to determine those who confess their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but yet who are not true to him in their hearts, and those who confess their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and who are true to him in their hearts. The thing that will differentiate those two kinds of people are the words that the people speak. One person's words will reveal a heart that truly is uh, believing in God. And their words will be used to justify them on the last day. The other person will speak words and they'll be shown to them. Their own words will be used against them. As they say, Lord, Lord, did we not do all these things in your name? And one of the things that will happen at that point is it will be revealed. If you, if you truly believed in me, why did you say these things? Why did you say these things? Why was this in your heart? And, and therefore, these things will be used on the last day. Now, the second thing to keep in mind. So, not, so first, Christ is not speaking about the grounds for justification. Secondly, this justification is, again, what happens on the last day. Christ is speaking about the day of judgment. And here, works actually are important, not for merit, but again, the idea is to, to reveal the heart. Uh, this is why, um, uh, why Christ speaks of those uh, who uh, will be admitted to the kingdom of God, who do the will of my Father in heaven, from Matthew chapter 7. Or think again in Matthew chapter uh, 25, whatever you did to the least of these brothers of mine, you did to me. And that's going to be the reason. That's going to be the thing that will distinguish the sheep from the goats. If you, if you did these things to my brothers, then you're a sheep. If you did not, then you, are, uh, that, then you are a goat. On the last day, what you have done in the body will be made manifest. And it is important in terms of your justification, so to speak, on the last day. Now, justification simply means a declaration of righteousness. So, of course, on the last day, there has to be a, de a declaration one way or the other. Um, you have received by faith this declaration already. It's one of the great blessings of the gospel that this declaration comes forward to the moment of your conversion so that you can be assured of the salvation that you have. 
but there will also be a declaration made in the last day that will correspond to this, this uh, declaration that was made by faith. Now, on the last day, there will be, because there will be some time that will have elapsed between your confession of faith and the, 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 the day of judgment, what you do since then, since that point, will in fact be very important. Because as James has said, faith without works is dead. If you confess your faith, confess that you believe, but then have no works whatsoever, then that faith will be manifest because of the lack of works on the last day to be dead, and therefore you will be condemned. So that is what the Lord Jesus Christ here is speaking about. And actually, this passage in, in some ways actually confirms the doctrine of justification by faith. Uh, one of the things that, that uh, is often argued by Catholics and also uh, Eastern Orthodox is that the word justification means being made righteous rather than being declared righteous. And in order for the Catholic doctrine of justification to be right, this must be the meaning of justification. But notice here, actually, the, the exact opposite is affirmed. Justification is parallel to the idea of condemnation. Um, if you're not justified, it's not that you are made bad, you are actually condemned, you are declared to be evil. So, you can, so justification is the declaration of righteous, uh, uh, being righteous, and the opposite is uh, being condemned, being declared to be uh, evil. And therefore, um, the, the, the nature of justification as a declaration of righteousness, that that's what happens when you believe you are declared to be righteous, that that's actually confirmed by this passage. Now, the point, the, the point backing up, uh, the point coming back to the, to the main point of this text, is that every word you say matters. Every word that you say matters. Even the words that you say when no one else is around. It reveals the state of your heart. Not everything you say is spoken of in front of all people, but everything you say, brothers and sisters, everything that you say is spoken in the presence of God. There is no way to hide your heart from God. He hears every single thing. It's one of the, the things that the psalmist declares is the part of the foolishness of the wicked, that they foolishly say, you know, I can get away with this. Nobody sees me. And the psalmist says, you fool, do you not realize that he who formed the ear, that surely he can hear himself, and that he who formed the eye, that he can see everything that you're doing. Such is the way it is with God, brothers and sisters, and on the last day, even as all things are done in the sight of God, so too God will judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ. He will judge the secrets of men by the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, there's often a, a, a temptation to justify our own words and convince ourselves that they are not a reflection of who you are. I mentioned that this is a common today, and uh, I don't mean to, to pick on celebrities with regard to this, but it's very common if you just think about it, any celebrity who's caught apologizing for this or that thing that they said. Very often, and, and I'm not saying that this doesn't happen more broadly, it's just not so public. Um, very often they'll say, that, I said this, I'm sorry, this is not a reflection of who I am. Brothers and sisters, Whatever you say is a reflection of who you are, is a window into your own heart. Whatever you say is a reflection of who you are. It is so much a reflection of who you are that it will be used either for you or against you on the last day. You will not stand on the last day if you profess yourself to be, a, uh, to be in Christ, but regularly say things that definitively prove otherwise. And it will be only your words that will be, that will be used against you. Even if, even if there were no other evidence, your words will be, will be sufficient for that uh, declaration on the last day. May it be, therefore, brothers and sisters, that you would recognize the great, the, the great weight, the gravity of these things, 
And when you do sin, for all of us sin, you know, uh, Christ is not here saying that there needs to be perfection. The idea in terms of what is required on the last day will be words spoken that prove that a confession of faith is true. Doesn't mean that you're, doesn't mean that you're perfect by any stretch. But the thing that is required is when you sin, brothers and sisters, may it be that God would grant you the, a heart to repent of your sins. That, that on the last day, there may be things that you've said that you're embarrassed about, but that there would also be the revelation of your heart that you truly do repent of your sins, that you were laboring to live a life that's faithful to God, and that it would be evident that God has in fact done this work in your life. May it be that you would always offer to God the fruit of the lips that have been sanctified by His grace, that His praise would continually be in your lips, and that everything that you say would be consistent with this praise. Let's, let's, uh, let, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, how we do thank you for your word, even as it does act like a mirror to reveal to us our heart. Lord, we, we can see all over the place that there are many who will try to justify themselves. Lord, may it not be the case with us. May it not be the case with us, and particularly as we think about our own words. Help us, Lord, not to be like the Pharisees, but by your grace, may it be that we would grow uh, in, uh, in godliness, having our hearts renewed by your spirit. May it be, Lord, that if there is anyone here who is a member of this church, but yet who is not actually a good tree, that you would make the tree good, O God. Lord, we rely on you for everything. You are the God of sovereign grace, and how we do thank you for this. Please, may it be that by your grace, by your Spirit, that not one of us would be lost, but that on the last day there would be mounds of evidence of of hearts that truly love you by the worship that is given to your name, by the love that is shown to the saints in all of the things that we say. For we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at newcovenantopc.com. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. May God enlighten the eyes of your heart, that through the preached word your eyes may be opened to behold the glory of Christ more and more.